0: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
1: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.
0: This is
1: What the Heck with Mike Heck on enemyfighting.com. Now, here is your host... Mike heck. What the heck? Well, hello there, everybody. Welcome to a brand new edition of What the Heck on MMAFighting.com. My name is Mike Heck. Thanks for having us on, especially during such a chaotic week here in the United States and around the world. And I wanted to give a quick shout out to everyone that's been taking the streets, that have been protesting peacefully, fighting the good fight, standing up for their communities, And also because I do know quite a few of them personally and friends with several as well here's to all the police officers out there doing their damn thing but more importantly the ones that are doing it right that's what that shout out goes for because and 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 I'm not comparing and contrasting being a member of the MMA media here in command center 1.0 it is nothing like being a police officer especially right now during these crazy times. Not in any way, shape, or form. So if you think I'm trying to compare the two, it's not the case at all. But sometimes there's a lot of negativity and sometimes there's things that are done completely wrong and it's important that not everybody get painted with the same brush, whether it's with MMA media, police officers, firefighters, doctors, lawyers, plumbers, locksmiths whatever business or industry that people are aligned in. And at the end of the day, I at least this is how I feel, and I can't put myself in the shoes of some of the victims and their families and all that stuff. But in the end, I hope everybody can, can grow from this. We can learn about each other. We can all come together, be better, and move forward because that's what life is all about, right? That's what I try to teach my seven-year-old because he has no idea what's going on. He just hears that there's some bad stuff happening on the streets and, and around the country, and it's kind of hard to have that conversation with him. But all I keep telling him is, I, I throw the MMA cliche out there, and I say, Grayson, you know, just just like fighters say in the gym when they're punching the bag, all you can do is try to get one percent better every day. So I, I did want to start with that. I know it's tough to transition from everything going on in the world, but. I wanted to give a quick shout-out to, to everybody that's that's doing everything right out there. And please stay safe and try to stay as positive as we can. I know it's, it's pretty tough out there. Uh, before we, we run down the lineup, I wanted to give a big shout-out to all of you guys who checked out the debut episode of Between the Links on Tuesday. And congratulations to Jose Youngs for getting the win over Alex Kaylee. Lee. And in regards to the program, I'm the first one to tell you it wasn't perfect. It will get better. We will figure out more pieces to add to it over the next couple of weeks. I make sure I read the comments. I don't read them all the time, but when I debut a show like Between the Links, I try to read the comments and kind of see where you guys are coming from because it's not perfect. We will get it there though, and I'm gonna do everything I can to make sure that we get it there. The logistics are gonna change. This room that I'm in right now, that's gonna change. If you follow me on Twitter, you know that already. So we're trying to start piecing things together and we're gonna we're gonna make everything look and sound and just and just feel a lot better. But obviously we've had a crazy year with COVID 19, and you know, it's not like I can go and drive to a studio and do the show. We're gonna try to make the studio happen here at my house here in Western Massachusetts. So we're gonna put all that together. I promise you, we're in the midst of working on a whole bunch of different things, including another show that we're gonna try to set up for major fight cards, so so stay tuned for that. We're, we're working for you, I promise that. But And with all that, UFC on ESPN 9 is officially in the books. What a fun event that was. But of course, the big star, as you all know by now, Gilbert Burns, picks up a big win over Tyron Woodley. He is now the number one ranked welterweight in the UFC. And for those wondering, because people have asked, yes, I did try to get Gilbert back on the show. He agreed to do it for some reason. His team... His manager, they said they wanted to hold off on any interviews or media for the time being. So there you go. I did try. I've been interviewing Gilbert for quite some time now. I'm very happy for him, and hopefully we can get him on the show maybe next week or the week after because he deserves to get some shine after that big win on Saturday against Tyron Woodley. But we do have a full slate of guests this week. Some other winners from UFC Vegas last weekend will be on the show and others who will compete this Saturday at UFC 250. Yes, the UFC is back on pay-per-view, headlined by Amanda Nunes defending her women's featherweight title against the number one contender, Felicia Spencer. But let's run down the lineup for this week, closing us out, jumping on for the second week in a row. This has never happened in the history of the show. One of the big winners from this past weekend's event, Roosevelt Roberts returns. He picked up an impressive submission win over Brock Weaver. And maybe, just maybe, we will get him to tell us who he actually wanted to call out after that win. He ended up calling out Matt Frivola. If you listened to his interview last week, he said he was going to call somebody else out. That was not Matt Frivola. Didn't happen. So we'll see if we can get some answers with the go-getta later on in the program. Sean O'Malley returns to action this Saturday at UFC 250, taking on Eddie Wineland. Sugar Sean's going to join us. It happened very quickly, getting this interview scheduled. Pretty much last minute, we had been talking back and forth for... Oh, three three or four days trying to figure out a time and finally Sean hit me up and said I'm ready to go in like a couple minutes we made it happen we were able to get him on for around 10 or 15 minutes or so obviously a very very busy man during fight week you'll hear that interview with Sean O'Malley coming up a little bit later on in the show also returning on Saturday Brian Kelleher he takes on Cody Stamen at UFC 250 in a featherweight bout I I, I will say this Cody was also supposed to join the show this week, but we weren't able to make it happen, as you may have heard or seen by now. Cody lost his little brother late last week, so he'll be fighting with a very heavy heart on Saturday. And we obviously here at MA Fighting want to send our condolences to Cody and the entire Stamen family. I cannot imagine what he's going through having a little brother myself. We're going to talk to his opponent, Brian Kelleher, who is on a roll right now. We'll check in with Boom in around 25 minutes or so. We're gonna kick things off with Brandon Royval, who had a successful UFC debut. He picked up a second round submission win over Tim Elliott this past Saturday. It was a hell of a debut for the former LFA champion. Although for some reason, Brandon didn't seem to think so. Let's get his thoughts around five or so days later after his big win. Right now, let's check in with the Raw Dog on What The Heck. All right, we have one of the big winners from Saturday night's UFC on ESPN 9 event in Las Vegas. He picked up a second-round submission win over Tim Elliott in the fight of the night, a promotional debut win, a finish, and an extra 50 Gs for Brandon Royval, who was kind enough to join us. Brandon, how are you, sir? I'm doing good, man. Yourself? I'm doing great. I have to tell you, man, I know from having conversations with you in the past that you're a guy who's very hard on himself, you're very self-critical, but I didn't really know to what extent that was until after that fight on Saturday night and you were speaking with Daniel Cormier. So my first question is, have you gone back and watched the fight? And if so, do you still, like, have the same disappointment about it?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah I went back and, yeah, the I still a little, like, I don't know. Uh, like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, kind of, honestly. Like, I don't like watching it at all.
1: Why? Like, I, I don't understand.
2: I, don't I feel like, uh, like, I don't know. I'm like... I guess maybe you could feel different, like, you might feel different about it. But, like, I feel like I went out there and got the shit kicked out of me until he got tired, you know? <laughs> like, like as weird as it sounds, like, I feel like I went out there, got manhandled for seven minutes straight. And then, like, I could feel him getting tired. Like, like so I think statistically speaking, uh, any fight that I haven't, like, went, like, first, to like, like, any fight that I've went to, like, my corner, I've lost. Like, almost everyone except for, like, two. So every time that, like, I've ever went back to my corner between the first and second round, I've lost. That was the first time I went back to my corner between the first and second round. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to lose this fight. I could feel him. Like, I could feel him. I could hear him breathing heavy. Like, I, like I could hear him getting tired and stuff. So in my head, like, I wasn't that tired. I wasn't tired at all, really. So I could feel him getting tired. But, like, even the second round, man, I feel like I started off, I got taken down a bunch more times. And, like, like eventually, yeah, he did get tired and gas out. But, like, I don't know, man. I feel like uh, there were like... I don't know, like. Ask wasn't getting taken down like that the whole time. You know what I'm saying? Like Ask when he was fighting Tim Allen, like he wasn't getting taken down like that the whole entire time. Like I don't know. So yeah, when you compare, like when you're trying to like think about like compare yourself against the best in division, like that wasn't enough. You know that didn't cut it really. And like I don't know how I escaped away with the fifty thousand. I think I got some pity points out there, but like I don't know. I didn't feel like that was a performance that I was super proud of, or like a performance that made me deserve, or that like that I deserved that fifty thousand that night. So I don't know. You, you, I think I talked to you right before the before the uh, fight. And my intentions were to go out there and win some money, man. And go out there and make a show. Like if that was like my big intentions. I, I wanted to go out there and try to change my life, you know. So well when that bell rung or like when he tapped out, like I didn't feel like I didn't, you know, I felt like I just got the shit kicked out of me until he gassed out.
1: Here's here's what's interesting about the the Askar Askarov fight. I don't know if you caught my interview with Tim Elliott. He told a story about that fight because I asked what, what he took away from it. And he said that in that first round, when he got absolutely drilled, he doesn't remember the rest of the fight. So when he actually went back and watched it, like it was a whole different fight for him. He doesn't remember the second or third round. So oh, like yeah, as he goes pretty- back, as he went back and watched it, he was like, Oh, if I actually took him down, I probably would have won the fight, but he doesn't remember any of it. Does that
2: make yeah. you feel any better about it? i don't know man i guess not really <laughs> but like i mean i guess maybe like i don't know i'm glad i'm glad it ended second round but like i guess that's all i can really take into it you know but i'm glad i got it finish, and i'm glad that i got paid because that was fucking a generous offer from data white like i feel like you know but i don't know like i said
1: you take solace in the fact that you that you took his best and were able to to overcome it all to get the finish because like to me it seemed like that that was part of the game plan you're gonna let him just kind of go after you and exert all that energy and it seemed like that's how the, it seemed to me like watching it that that's how the fight was supposed to play out like that was the game plan heading in but you're saying that it wasn't the game plan at all you just Man, made no, it look I, I did not want to get put
2: on my back I just wanted to go dominate you know what I'm saying and like yeah, no, definitely not part of the game plan. Uh, it, it, like, and you know what's weird? Like, I feel like, like as the, as the rounds later came on, like or like later on in the first round, it kind of became more of a game plan. Where I was like, I kind of felt like he couldn't keep up that. Like, I, I kind of felt that. Like, I could hear him breathing and like, I knew he was exerting a lot of energy, but I didn't know like, like I also knew like I could also like feel like I, like he wasn't being able to sustain it. You know, I could also like feel him breathing a little bit heavier and give me little positions that he probably wouldn't have gave me otherwise, you know? So, uh, I mean, and then, like, I also kind of like the fact that uh, I was in bad situations in the UFC already. So, like, I like that a little bit where it's, like, I can kind of take that home, like, because there's been a lot of fights where I haven't been touched, really. Like, I went through some fights where, like, I probably didn't even get punched the fight. Like, so I like the fact that, like, he was on top of me throwing, like, 100 punches to my head at a time and, like, throwing a bunch of punches and, like, made me work and made me super uncomfortable in there. Uh, and I had to deal with it. I don't know what it's gonna be like with the whole entire crowd, but that being said, uh, that being that like, that being alone, like it wasn't foreign to me and it wasn't as like scary as I thought it was gonna be as uh, like dealing with the dealing with I don't know adversity in there, you know.
1: Is that almost better though, like for the long term? Because you could have gone out there and, you know, submitted them in 25 seconds like you did in your last fight, but you wouldn't have learned the lessons that you learned either. So is it almost like way out a little bit better in your favor that in the long term growth of your career and the evolution of it, that you got to experience a fight like that as opposed to just finishing it really quickly?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that is a good point. Like, uh, I think uh, Cage experiences a lot and it's a lot of things that I haven't had to deal with. I've had a lot of like numerous fights in under a minute. So like I think it just came into something that I really need to like get more comfortable with and get more comfortable in there because I have a hard time walking into that cage sometimes and uh yeah that was one of those times where I walked in and I did like like I mean like when I walked in I was comfortable once I was like circling around and I was like it was me and him locked in there I was like all right well like I'm in it now like you know like there's no turning back like that walk to that cage is always like a really hard walk for me so uh I don't know. I got to get more comfortable with that. I think I need to do a lot better at handling my emotions and all that stuff. Uh, so I don't know. I, think, I, I just think you need to be like get more comfortable as a fighter and I don't want to learn these lessons in the UFC. I want to already pass that in the UFC where I'm comfortable. It's like where I'm comfortable. So I don't know. I kind of felt like a little bit more like, a, like I felt that like cage difference and like that like experience, you know, he walked around looked so comfortable across the cage and like me, like I, I don't know, man. I felt like I didn't belong there. You know what I'm saying? Like I like, was like looking around and I'm like, I can't believe I'm here like don't fuck this one up man like, like that was going in my head you know what I'm saying like I don't want to fuck this one up like I don't know
1: so the octagon jitters that Joe Rogan talks about all the time did you did you feel those once you got into the cage and, and looked across at Tim
2: I mean I, I don't know if I felt it any like less than I already do like I already just like I'm sorry. like I already like right before a fight man I don't I swear on my life I just like I hate this fucking sport like I don't like the whole entire time like right before i'm about to walk out there, I'm like i hate everything about this i don't want anything to do with the sport anymore like and like and then you win, and then you're like give me a fight tomorrow like <laughs> but it's like it's like so stupid but like i don't know like at the time like when i was walking out there i like turned to my coach i'm like bro i hate this sport like i hate doing this so much like i can't believe we do like i can't even believe i do this like every time i think that i'm like what i like i should have finished college <laughs> like what am i doing like i don't know the
1: fight was was wild. It was like everything I expected it to be. Obviously, it wasn't what you expected it to be, but you scrambled, he scrambled. It was what most people who have been familiar with the both of you guys hoped it would be. It was like one of those kinds of fights. Did, did, did anything surprise you at all in that fight? Like, did anything Tim brought to you actually surprise you?
2: I mean, I guess, like, besides besides him shooting him, like, the first two seconds, like, I thought he'd fill out, like, striking a little bit. I kind of thought that's how it's going to go. Like, he was going to fill out striking a little bit. I didn't know the moment the Valley wrote, like, run, he was going to be on my ass, you know, like, that was, uh, like, and I don't even know why that would surprise me, like, at a gym, like, I don't know why that would surprise me, but it was a little shocking to me that, like, all right, we're, like, dancing around for four seconds, I go, like, throw something, next thing you know, he's already, like, I'm on the ground, I get back up, and then I'm on the ground again, and I get back up, so it was, like, I don't know why I would be surprised by that, especially with him, Elliott, but, like, it, it shocked me a little bit like that we didn't like have a little bit of like all right we're gonna throw a jab back and forth a little bit let me measure my distance he was not having any of that on me and just put me right on the ground and uh right off the bat and just kind of made me uncomfortable from the very get going uh i think that's kind of probably what he should have did against me i thought it was a smart move right off the bat and if he could sustain that pace i don't know if you and i'd be having the same conversation right now you know
1: what was the conversation like between the first and second rounds because a lot of like you see fighters in the position that you were in in that first round they just can, can can constantly keep getting taken down and taken down they can't really you know take a breath or settle at all and they just they just quit they just give up and they just fold and we see the fight sort of continue like if you fight a guy like Marab Doualish really Marab can do that to guys like all day long Oh How, yeah yeah
2: yeah. You know the what was that fiver? what was that
1: conversation like for you? That 35er?
2: Yeah. yeah Marab yeah holy shit man i would hate to fight that. <laughs> That's like serious matchup for me alive um for me i think my my coach just kind of told me to calm down like like you're like i was throwing weight every time i had a chance to like throw a punch i was trying to murder him with it you know what i'm saying And so my coach was like calm down you're getting taken down because you're committed to every goddamn punch that that is like in your way like every chance i got i tried to name in the face and like i was trying to finish the fight a little bit too much you know and uh i think it was a little bit evident and i think it, was, it played into me getting, getting taken down a little bit but also my coach looked at me and like, I could actually hear him say it out loud. And like uh, one of my coaches, I could hear him say it out loud where it's like, he's gas. Look at him. Like, they, like there's nothing, like he has nothing left. Like he gave you, every, you took everything he had is kind of what they're saying. And I think that was right too. It's like, I took his worst at that time. Like I took everything he had, we survived it. And uh, now it was like my turn to kind of turn it on. And I already knew after that first round, after that first round, I knew I was going to win. Like I thought super confident I was going to win, but uh yeah so I, I was feeling i was just feeling like the energy turn you know what i'm saying like i could feel like him getting a little more tired him breathing a little deeper and like for some reason man i wasn't gassed out at all so i was super stoked about that situation going into it but yeah for as far as my coaches there was a lot of just like calm down you're trying to kill him when you're on the feet and that's why you're getting taken down and uh i don't know if i listened to it because i think immediately as soon as we started scra- like scrapping again i was trying to fucking throw as hard as i could again so i don't know
1: even even though on saturday night at the time you didn't feel all that great about the performance how did it feel to to get the submission to get the tap in your first ufc fight like that w- would you say would you describe it as like excited or was it more like relief that you're just like oh thank god i won this fight
2: <laughs> it's probably a little more relief honestly really <laughs> i think honestly that was a little bit of like a, like a, all right well at least we're done with this uh I'm going to take whatever, I like, the little I earned because I didn't think I was going to get the bonus at all. So I was just like, I'm going to take the check I earned and just go right back to fucking reinvesting it kind of in myself and trying to get better from this situation because I knew I I wasn't happy with my performance right after that. And I was happy that I could get the win and I was happy that I was going to just get cut from the UFC right away, man. I didn't want to just go in and uh, lose a couple of fights and then be out, you know, so... Getting a win over Tim Elliott was a great way. And, like, I even gained fans, man. So, that was like a real cool part about that is like, I gained fans from this whole experience. I didn't, I wanted it. I want that. You want to go gain fans, you want to go impress people. But, like, I don't know, man. I don't think anybody wanted to go to work on Monday and they felt that. So,
1: (laughs) now there's a couple of questions that everybody seemed to be asking on Saturday night, even before and even after the flight. One of which was about the nickname. The, the, the raw dog nickname like social media for some reason loves that nickname and it was a big talking point point. and you and i have talked a few times at this point i don't think we ever got into where the nickname came from but people want to know where did it come from
2: oh really? yeah so you know like nicknames are earned no i'm just kidding um <laughs> <God>. <laughs> <laughs> so uh one time uh one time like it was like probably back when i was an amateur my buddy and his friend were like drunk in the crowd and his roommate was like screaming raw dog and I, it just kind of carried over a little bit, and it was like a big joke for years. Like we like, like, yeah, Brandon raw Dog, whatever. And then one time for World Series fighting, they're like, hey, like, you might fight on TV because the, the rule was like for World Series is it they had one extra slot on the card, and if you could go out there and finish a fight or impress somebody, that they're gonna let you be on that TV card. So my whole main goal was to go on that TV card, and they're like, well, go into raw Dog and see if they say it on TV if you can do it. So sure enough, I knocked this kid out, and it got put on that TV slot, and. Uh, they said Bren Rod Dog Roebel on the like right before, and I think for me like anytime they're like the announcers like Brandon Rod Dog I'm like a I'm going chaotic in my head, man. So just any chance I can get to like laugh to myself and not take the moment so serious, I think helps me out. So it's not only does it roll off the tongue a little bit, but like it's just kind of it's funny. It's a good way to calm myself down, and uh, I don't know, yeah, it, I like that. It's kind of funny nickname now.
1: Yeah, for sure, it caught a lot of people's attention. The other thing in regards to our last interview and what you said after the fight on the broadcast. For you, it's not just about winning fights. It's not just about getting to the UFC. It's about changing your life. It's about being able to say goodbye to being a full-time employee and saying hello to being a full-time fighter. You said getting a bonus would do the trick. And if you got one, you would be able to call your bosses at your job and give your two weeks notice like a professional. So, have you had that conversation yet? Has the notice been officially put in?
2: Yeah, put my two weeks in today. You did today? yeah bro, i've been working since i was 15 years old i like <laughs> i don't, i was so uncomfortable with it and like i think they saw it coming anyways cause we all like watched the fight but like uh i kind of just like talked to them i was like okay like if you guys can go part-time because like the, me and my bosses get along really well like it's a job that I, i'm not trying to be douchey but i'm like super good at like like i can relate to some of the kids i can i know how to speak to the kids i know how to like kind of mind my manners and of course comes to worst i know that like, uh, like they're not punking me around, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're all like a little bit. There's always that like a little bit of like, all right, he knows how to fight. Like, we can't just go punch him in the face, you know? So, I have a little bit of that like that background. So, like I, I, I play really well into that job, man. That job like fits me so perfectly. So, uh, they're trying to work with me a little bit, but all the all all that they wanted for me to work was gonna interfere with my schedule. So, and I know that they can't just go out there and make like a special schedule for me or any special request for me. So, I kind of knew that. Is gonna have to lead to me uh, quitting the job long term, but uh, it's like I said. uh, You you know, I work at a juvenile correction facility, but uh, now I can kind of go back there and do what I like really want to do is I'm gonna go back there as a mentor and I can go back there and mentor some of the kids and just go back there spend some time. Uh, I like said I got to know a lot of these kids really well. I know a lot of their like backstories. A lot of like you you know you get to know these kids, and it'd be hard for me to like just kind of one day be in there and then turn away. It was, it was weird. Cause like when I walked in there, cause I, I went in last night and, uh, when I, when I saw them in last night, they're like, I didn't think you're ever going to come back. I thought you were just gone. And I was like, I'm not going to not say bye to you guys. Like we spent like years, with some of them I spent years with, you know, I spent two years like arguing with, them getting along with them, like having our days, you know what I'm saying? But like, I spent years like getting to know them in a sense, you know?
1: So how does it feel now that you, uh, you put that notice in, is it, is it surreal?
2: yeah it's surreal, man but it's a it's a you know what man i'd be like to, to me like i wasn't gonna like i was hesitant to do it because you owe your manager so much money you owe your cornerman so much money and like you end up with a certain amount after taxes but that would be so dumb not to just reinvest it into myself and into my time and like for me like for me like i don't i don't know if you had heard like my work schedule but like i got off at 8 30 a.m today if it was a normal day of practice because i didn't go to practice today cause i'm taking a little bit of time off uh this week off. And, uh, if it was a normal day of practice, I would be eight, Get off at eight thirty. I'd go right back at nine uh, to the gym at nine o'clock. I get out of the gym at twelve o'clock. The COVID thing's going on, so I would I would just left like fifteen minutes ago go at my gym, and then I'd sleep for probably like four hours if I could. I would probably make something to eat somewhere along the process, like along the process or whatever, and then I have to be right back and leave the leave my house at four thirty to go back to the gym till five to uh, eight o'clock. So, like I said, and then I got to get ready for work. So I start work at 10, 10 p.m. that night. So. I don't know like it's, it's a hard lifestyle to sustain and like i love this sport so much i'm not going to miss any of my practices you know and i don't think my coach would let me miss any practices but that being said is like i'm not gonna sell myself short especially at this point and like now start dogging yeah, especially like uh when the contender series is coming up like i was thinking about it, i'm like damn like i just want to sleep in like i want like, a couple hours of extra sleep like it'd be worth it and like but in my head i'm like why am i gonna sell myself short now like i've been busting my ass this whole entire time hardly sleeping and doing whatever i could get done to like uh make all these practices and like i was like why could i why would i sell myself short now you know so
1: they threw all these things out in the universe and now that they happened you got to go through with them right
2: yeah exactly man
1: so did you i know you're disappointed after the fight but did you go back and watch the rest of the card at all
2: um a little bit yeah I, i sat back and watched it with my team once we got to the hotel
1: so, I mean, there, there was a lot of debate when we sort of alluded to this on whether your fight with Tim or the Quarantillo versus Carlisle fight should have been fight of the night. And Dana White was conflicted when he spoke with the media. He was like, I've never heard him say, I want to get your opinion on something because he threw out your fight and he thought it was like a, a much better technical fight than Carlisle and Quarantillo was. But you're a pretty honest guy. Were you surprised that you guys got the fight of the night after watching Billy Q and Spike
2: fight? Oh, yeah, bro. I was going crazy. <laughs> when, when Homeboy got up and, like, walked to his corner and then, uh, then up and fucking socked his ass, I was like, oh, shit. got like, I, I can't, like, I I didn't even, like, so, so I didn't even think of myself as, like, fight of it. Like, I wonder, like, at the end of the night, I wasn't even thinking they would announce my name for any of that stuff. So, it wasn't even going through my head. So, but, like, that fight was a great one. I thought Gilbert Burns had a great fight. Uh, I thought Gilbert Burns looks uh, so great, man. Um. So, I don't know, like, I, I definitely give them the notch. I feel like I played a little bit on the heartstrings. I didn't want, I didn't want it, like, it to come off that way. For me, it was more like I was more disappointed in myself. Like, I didn't earn it. Like, that's what I felt more like. So, it wasn't like I was, like, begging for 50000 like, at all. Like, that's not the case. It was more like I just feel like I didn't earn it and, like, that I was mainly disappointed within myself. You know what I'm saying? Um, so... But that being said, yeah, I thought they did a great job, man. And I was so happy to hear that they're getting a back. Cause like I said, I felt bad and I felt like I robbed them a little bit. It was just like a, I don't know, just being an emotional person, you know?
1: It was funny. Cause on social media, especially on Twitter, after you spoke with DC, everyone's like, Oh my God, what does this guy do for a living? Does he work for NASA? Is he part of the FBI? Like no one really <laughs> knew. So it was uh, it was pretty funny to see how they reacted, but they're all like super pumped when you got the bonus. Um, yeah. One thing that, 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 is getting overlooked from that card is your teammate, Chris Gutierrez, because it was the first fight of the night. uh, He literally kicked off the card with, with the TKO, the leg kick TKO. And I was told when you were fighting, he was back speaking with the media and he was going crazy back there as you were putting Tim Elliott away. How much of a boost was uh, Chris's performance heading into your fight? Did you get a chance to watch that before you made your walk?
2: Yeah, we did. not I think I was back there with like my, with uh, one of my coaches and, we said, fuck this warm-up. Like, I didn't even warm up, really, before the fight. It was like, I'm going to watch Chris fight. Like, and that's all there is to it, man. And, like, it was like we, we both kind of just agreed on, like, oh, we'll get a little bit of a late warm-up. And, like, we kind of just canceled the typical warm-up that you get before a fight. And uh, I sat back and just watched him fight, man. And I was so happy and just so inspired by him, man, because it was such a great performance. I'm He got hit, like, two times that whole entire fight, man. It was great, man. Uh, and, like, from the very get-go, like, the, the first leg kick, I already knew what was going to happen. As soon as he landed that leg kick, it does it to us too, man. He kicks so hard. He comes from like a soccer background. He has such a hard leg kick. And uh, he, like, we, like as far as calf kicks go in our gym, man, he's the best at it. He's by far the best at it. And uh, the moment he landed that leg kick, and we we kind of had in our, he- our head that guy's a little bit more of a boxer, he'd be a little bit heavy on the front foot. And the moment it started happening, I was like, it's over. Like, the second leg kick, and we already knew it was going to be over by leg kicks. Or at least like that was gonna be a long determining factor. Like we didn't know how it was gonna end, but it was all gonna be set up in that leg kick.
1: Yeah, the whole the whole second round was like, oh, one more leg kick and the ref's gonna stop it. One more leg kick and the ref's gonna stop it. And you almost yeah. just felt bad. You wanted the ref to come in there and just just put Vince out of his misery. But what a great yeah. performance from Chris. Um When do you want to return after that victory? Like you're already in the top fifteen. You're ranked number eleven in the flyweight division. And as soon as I saw the rankings. I looked right above you. It's a name that sticks out to you because he had a lot of kind words after your LFA title when Matt Schnell is ranked one spot above you. It seems like it's almost meant to be since he would love to share the cage with you after watching that LFA fight and you had some good things to say about him. Is that what you're looking at opponent-wise or does someone else stick out to you?
2: Um, I really don't have like anybody specific. I, mean, I, cause, like, I think right off the bat I was like, calling way too top people out every chance I got. But uh, I don't know. I don't have anyone specific. I, I really just appreciate everything Matt Schnell like. I feel like Matt Snell gave me a little boost in my career. And, like, I don't know if you know who Chaz Scali is, but for me to get a bonus, man, I feel like he had a big part. of Like, I don't know. Like I said, the, the I don't know. I just appreciate him as a person, and I wouldn't want to, like, do anything that would impend his career or, like, push back his career. But, like, I get it. It's a fight game, and it, it's all good for both of us. A so fight would be good for both of us. And, like, I don't know. I really have nobody to call out right now. I got to do a little bit more research and just, like, seeing where I'm at, because I don't know if I'm calling people out and it's above my, like, pay, like, or it's below, like, I don't know, above my pay grade and, like, all that stuff, you know what I'm saying? Where it's, like, I I don't know if I'm in the right, like, realm to be calling some of these people out. So I'll I'll slow my roll, pop my brakes a little bit, and just kind of see, let let the chips fall where they may, you know what I'm saying? So I'll fight anybody. Like, looking over the fire division, man, I'll literally fight anybody in that division right now. I'm not, like, too afraid of any of the matchups there. I think some of them are going to be harder than some, uh, than others. But that being said is I don't mind any of those matchups for me.
1: Time frame wise, you know, I, I know I'm you're like, going to take this week off, but when are you thinking sometime this summer, or you want to take a couple months and smell the rose a little bit and sort of catch up with everything that's happened to you.
2: I'm I'm still like a little bit like where like, I don't know, man, I feel like I just need to get better. Like, I, I feel like I, I have a couple, like a, like a, I have a good time to like a good, like, I don't know i think the GOC is gonna be pushing fights left and right so i kind of want to like depending on who i get i can take them right away and as far as right now i want to get better man i want to get like super good and i want to just be dialed in completely man i have an opportunity of a lifetime to go make this my full-time job and now that this can't be my full-time job i need to start making these big improvements because i'm not i'm already in the top 11 like top 11 you said that's that's crazy man i'm not gonna be fighting any bum like and I'm in the UFC. No matter what, I'm not finding any easy fights. Like I need to go make some drastic improvements to separate right myself from the herd. You know.
1: Brandon, congratulations on the win, man. I know that you were very hard on yourself after the win, and even a little bit today. But based on the response on social media, a place that can be very dark and very negative, the uh, the fight and the performance was praised pretty much uni- universally. So, and, and that's no easy feat in fighting these days. Uh, appreciate yeah. the time very much, man. I cannot wait to see what's next for you. I'm very happy for the win, man. Congratulations. Great stuff right there from Brandon Royval coming off a big win in his UFC debut and picking up an extra $50,000 to boot. People wanted to hear about the nickname. You got your answer. And now we found out that he's professionally putting in his two weeks notice so he can become a full-time fighter. So that's great stuff for Brandon Royval. As we move ahead to someone who is has been quite familiar with bonus money in 2020, he's done it twice already, looking to make it three straight. Brian Kelleher is going to take on Cody Stamen this Saturday night at UFC 250. Let's check in with Boom right now on What the Heck. All right, we move ahead to our next guest. He's been on the A side live chat. We did some bonus interview content here on the website, but he's making his What the Heck debut ahead of his big fight with Cody Stamen this Saturday night at UFC 250. It's Boom O'Clock once again with Brian Kelleher. Brian, how are you, sir?
0: What the heck took you so long? Boom, baby. What's going on?
1: We'll stop booking
0: stuff last minute. We'll get you on here. You know, we'll, we'll schedule things out normal. But you just keep jumping into these fights, man. I know. I know. It's crazy quick turnarounds these days.
1: I know. It's just that chaotic time that we're in. So we're just days away from this fight in Las Vegas. Huge opportunity for you against a top 15 bantamweight, back up in the quarantine division. Does it just feel like one long fight camp right now? Like, Does it even feel like you've had a fight in
0: between? No, yeah, it exactly feels like that because like you know, I just kept things rolling after that last fight, you know, everything you know, with the weight and the momentum and coming off a big victory, like I feel amazing. I love staying active and keeping momentum. and you know, i I had a vision this year like I wanted to fight at least like three, four times, and now it's looking like it might even be more than that, so I'm happy.
1: You're going to have to sign a new contract by, like, July at this point.
0: Yeah, pretty much. I just signed one, too, and I'm already on my way to sign another one.
1: (laughs) Well, that's good. We're keeping you nice and active and busy. But uh, your last fight, you had a fight of the night winning finish of a very tough Hunter Azure in Jacksonville a couple weeks ago. It was a very fun fight to watch. It was back and forth. Hunter spent a lot of time on the feet with you, which was a little bit surprising to me. Were you surprised that was how the fight played out with a guy that's known for mostly his strong wrestling game?
0: Um, you know, I, didn- I wasn't too surprised because I noticed in his last couple of fights he was kind of falling in love with the striking a little bit, you know, uh, his fight before with Brad Katona. It-, it seemed like Katona was enforcing wrestling more than he was, so I kind of went off of that, and I think he tried to kind of bring that Lineker effect to me. I think that was kind of his plan to come forward, put a lot of pressure on me, throw heavy hooks, and try to take me out, so uh, I, I kind of expected that, but I-, but I knew his wrestling was in his back pocket. I just wasn't sure if he was going to try to shoot from the outside i haven't seen him do it much in in the octagon
1: did you feel like that first round was going to be just more of a process for you to see what his game plan was going to be i mean i know a lot of times that's how fights sort of play out but you know it seemed to me like he was landing with with some volume quite a bit you were landing as well picking your shots but you know i I would think that the way that the fight played out you just take kind of kind of take those first five minutes to sort of figure out what his game plan was going to be is that accurate
0: yeah. I mean, that's just, that's how I fight. You know, first round is a little bit of a feeling out process for me, which I actually like, you know, it's not like, Oh, I, I don't want to let things go. It's just like, all right, let's see what this guy's bringing to me. Let's kind of get some reads on him. Let's see his speed, his power, uh, what he's, his tendencies are. And, uh, yeah, I expected that. I, I feel like, uh, a lot of those shots I blocked, you know, uh, a couple landed in the first round, but he let out so much energy in that first round. When I came out in the second, I saw it on his face. I'm like, this guy's starting. To Fade already and it's only the second round and i go up so i was like i'm, I'm gonna take this guy out
1: was that sort of the big talking point between the, f- the first and second rounds with your team that uh, he exerted a lot of energy or did you guys see an opening as well with with the way he was you know approaching the striking game and stuff that you guys could take advantage of once that second round began
0: yeah, we saw openings, uh, but we didn't really discuss in between rounds. You know, we weren't, you know, a- the energy thing's kind of on all on me. That's like how I feel in there and how I, you know, sense my opponent's energy and stuff like that, which I'm good at. Uh, being a veteran, having so many fights, I can kind of feel it out like that. But uh, with the uh, actual technical aspect, you know, we knew counters were gonna be there. We knew he was gonna leave his hands down after those one-off kicks and uh, that he threw those hooks. He doesn't throw a lot of straight punches. So we knew a lot of his attacks were gonna come from the outside round off hooks and overhands and uh on his kicks we were gonna try to time a counter and that's exactly what happened
1: yeah you floored him with that close to fight ending shot which in my opinion should have been the fight ending shot but you know what did that shot feel like you know once you drop him? because most of us we're not gonna be able to experience anything like that so we have to sort of live vicariously through you so once that punch landed did you know immediately that this one's a wrap
0: Yeah, I felt it, like, through my fist, just where it landed. And then, like, when he fell and I'm, like, looking down at him, you could see, like, this guy's not there, you know? And, like, when I put my hands out, that was kind of me, like, hey, ref, like, let's stop it now. I don't want to do more damage to this guy, you know? I I am a human being, but uh, I had to follow up, you know? Uh, He wasn't in there right away, so I had to put the finishing touches on.
1: I don't know if you follow Hunter on social media, but, you know, that whole fight and that whole scenario, like it worked out great for you. You got a win. You got 50 G's. You got a finish. He didn't get the win, but he got 50 G's and then he got engaged like three days later. Did you happen to see that on social media? So it it almost worked out for him as well.
0: I didn't see that, but I was happy for him, you know, because I know he, he just had a newborn baby. I saw some interviews and I know, you know, you, financially, you definitely want a to a step up and pay when when that's coming into your life. So I was happy that, he, you know, they gave us fight of the night, which I would agree with most people. I don't think we were fight of the night. I think I was performance of the night, but uh, I'm glad that he got that money. You know, let's just leave it at that.
1: Oh, well, there you go. So let's get into Saturday night. You're going to take on Cody Stamen, another Featherweight fight. You wanted to turn around quickly after that win, but it was a tough fight for as long as it lasted. We saw the back and forth you guys had on Twitter between you and Cody that helped set the stage here. But how did this all come together from your, perspe- from your perspective?
0: Yeah, I'm like, uh, call me Boom Shelby, cause I'm like, I'm matchmaking over here <laughs> on Twitter, and it's all coming to fruition. It's kind of crazy. Like the Hunter fight, me and him DM, Instagram, we made it 145. We agreed. We told our managers, they made it happen. Uh, Cody was coming at me before the fight actually happened. Uh, he thought that I was still o- uh, open to fight, and I told him, hey, I'm I'm fighting Hunter. Like the the fight's in the works right now. I can't take another fight, you know, but I'll fight you next. Like you're next. Don't worry. And for me, I was like, this is beautiful, cause now I'm about to go on a two-fight winning streak and get a guy in the top 15 and put myself, you know, right up there with amongst the best guys in within, you know, three fights quick this year is amazing for me. So I was like, after my fight ended with Hunter, I was like, I'm jumping on this. I gotta say something to Cody and see if he's still out there trying to fight. And I said, Hey, Cody, where are you? And like he was like, Oh, you, you know, you did say I was next. And I said, Yeah, and and we kind of made that fight happen ourselves too on Twitter. Like, literally. I think it was like an hour later, my manager's like, hey, he FaceTimes me. He's like, yeah, Cody Stam in three weeks. I'm like, oh, my God, this is crazy how fast this is happening.
1: If this wasn't a top 15 guy in your actual division, do you think you would have taken this opportunity to turn around so quickly
0: yeah, 100% because I love momentum. I, I love staying active. If I'm healthy enough to keep it going like this, like I'm going to do it. You know, uh, I stay in shape all year round. I mean I had stitches from my last fight, but I was immediately like I'm getting a pair of wrestling shoes and I'm going to start hitting mitts and I'll tape my toes and I'm working around it in, in any way that I can possible. So I stayed in shape and I, honestly the weight cut should be even easier this time because I maintained my weight all the way through. I never really got too heavy again. Um, originally, I, I I fought at one forty five because you know i was taking a fight on short notice and i was a lot heavier because of the quarantine and i wasn't getting partners and all that now i'm breaking a little rules still a little couple partners here and there but uh, i kept the consistency after this fight and so my weight kind of stayed within range so i'm uh, i'm loving this man i don't have to stress any like crazy weight cuts and i'm going in there feeling strong and healthy and just fully focused on the fight you're always a a very
1: energetic guy, Brian. But it seems to me that your energy is is on another level right now. Like you're just you're just in a different place right now. Is that accurate? Do you feel like different than you felt maybe three or four months ago?
0: It's the boom right here, baby. We got <laughs> we got full espresso in here.
1: Well, there you go. That, that makes
0: <laughs> no, a lot of sense. <laughs> no, yeah, that, that definitely helps. But no, I, I'm I'm very energetic. You know, I'm in a positive mindset right now. I just feel like uh, really it's that, like the the psycho the psychology of everything with MMA. Like, I feel so reinvigorated. You know, from January with my job on the line, all that pressure to where I am now, and I had this vision. You know, before that fight, and it's all like coming to fruition, and it's crazy because. I'm 33, so I'm no, you know, I'm, I'm not this young buck that's 25, that's coming in the UFC that wants to take his time and pick matchups. I'm like, let give me the hardest guys right now, because if I'm gonna make a run, it's gotta be now. Like, I'm gonna make this run now. So I put myself in a beautiful position and I've just brought these ingredients mentally to these fights lately that now I know what I need and it's just calm, enjoy the process and execute. And I just keep telling myself that and I feel like I'm having fun more than ever again and uh, I'm bringing it into these fights. I, I perform best when I'm really enjoying it. This
1: story sounds a little bit familiar, does it not? Maybe you know, 2019, we saw a man coming off back-to-back losses who didn't fight the year before. We were talking about a guy named Jorge Mazadal who turned opportunity into superstardom I and mean, what he did last year can never be ignored. But as a fighter yourself looking to take that next step, how much did, did Jorge maybe inspire you to to take these chances and maybe be the next guy that comes out of nowhere to do huge things?
0: I mean, I do have Street Jesus on my chest, essentially. So, you know, it is something. There is something to that. There's omens everywhere right now in my life. It's kind of crazy. But uh, I I love Jorge and I love that story, man. That's, you know, a guy who's paid his dues, who's been through the ups and downs, who, you know, you could have very well fell off, but you kept yourself – you know in the right mindset to rebound and, and and keep winning and and change things in your career i know he did that reality show he changed things up he found this clarity this this mental clarity and like i feel like the same thing's kind of happening to me you know as a veteran in the sport you get burnt out sometimes along the way and you got to figure out ways to find change and to to feel that same energy that you felt when you were trying to get to the ufc and uh i feel like that's where i am right now and uh and yeah i i love Jorge style and i love watching him fight and um uh, you know i I plan to do the same thing, you know, to to become a star out of nowhere, you know, this year and uh put some big wins together and make it happen.
1: It was interesting when we we spoke before your fight with Ode Osborne, you said you wanted to treat that like your UFC debut. It's almost like you went back in time a little bit. How does it feel now? Does it feel like this is, you know, essentially your your third or fourth UFC fight or do you still have to try to bring yourself back to that debut so you don't, you know, lose any of that that boometine juice, if you know what I mean.
0: <laughs> yeah, the boomachino juice. Uh know <laughs> Yeah, I uh no, I, I mean I would say I would lean more towards I feel like it's it's my debut again. Like I'm starting over, you know, the the reinvigoration, like I was saying, like I needed to find myself again. You know, I lost touch of like why I was doing this and how excited I felt doing this coming up. And I kind of felt like it was more of a job, like, ah, I gotta wait I gotta I gotta go through these nerves and this crazy you know fight game again and I'm like looking at it differently and now it's like, man, I can't wait to leave my potential out there. I can't wait to show who I really am because I feel like I haven't. you know some some fights you know you don't see all of my potential and my excitement comes from leaving it all out there now, you know having no regrets when this is all over. So that's my big motivation now going into these fights.
1: So you're looking at a more, I mean, obviously you look ahead to the future, you, you have certain goals you want to hit, but at the end of the day, we're looking at one fight for that one fight and to do everything for those five, 10 or 15 minutes for that one point to get to the next one, Right
0: exactly man and that's like a that's a good point because like I always say this you know sometimes you have bad training sessions in the gym and I've had you know a a bad uh a bad run at like overthinking things you know just really too much overthinking it paralyzes you and it really messes with your game and now I I don't I don't let any bad voices come into my head and take over I know how to redirect them and change them into positivity and that comes with being a veteran and I'll have, I'll have shitty sessions in the gym, you know, four days before a fight, you know, five days before a fight. And you you want to almost be like, oh no, I, I, I'm i not feeling good. I I, I got to fight soon. This sucks. Why am I off today? But to me, I'm like, it matters. At, it doesn't matter at all. Like all that matters is that 15 minutes. And that's when I'm going to have my best potential come forward. And I'm going to have fun and enjoy that process and be present. And like, I have that mentality now all set. I have all those ingredients, and I think that's been a key factor in my fights as of late.
1: And now you're going to fight Cody Stammen. He's 4-1-1 one, one in the UFC. The lone loss was to Aljamain Sterling back at UFC 228, bounced back with a nice win over Alejandro Perez, and then he had the draw with Song Dong that most people believed should have gone to Stamen. Some have differing opinions on that, but I'm sure he's a guy that you've had your eye on for a little while, being a top 15 guy at 35. But what have you made of his run in the UFC to this point?
0: yeah no he's a he's a great fighter man and that that's what I'm here for to fight great guys you know guys that are ranked that are gonna put me in potential for a title you know uh i thought he beat Songy dong you know i'll be honest uh uh once the fight hit the ground it kind of seemed like Both of them froze up a little bit. Uh, I know Cody's wrestling background is where he's comfortable. You know, he's an athletic guy, uh, but he's not a finisher like me. You know what I mean? I finish a lot of fights. Uh, If you look at my percentages, I choke guys out. I, I knock guys out. I TKO guys. I have a variety of finishes, and I think that's what makes me dangerous, and it makes me a little bit more unpredictable going into this fight.
1: Do you feel like there's a lot of similarities between Hunter and Cody? Like Cody's more established, no doubt. He's a little bit more well-rounded overall, but are the approaches to the fight similar in different ways?
0: Yeah, I could see some similarities there, you know, with that wrestling background and, and, and their styles. But uh, I think, you know, Cody's definitely the better athlete altogether all around his game. You know, uh, his, his wrestling, his, sh- his shots from the outside are a little more powerful. He's got good double legs and good timing on that. I think his movement is a little bit better, too. So there are some similarities, but I think I'm looking at a whole different fight here. I think um, Cody's going to really uh, underestimate me. And once he starts to feel my punching power he's gonna start to try to dip and level change and and try to take me down and wrestle me a lot
1: you have fought in this empty arena set up already you've gone through the medical testing and the fight week stuff in jacksonville you've also been the more active guy over the last six months or so and like you talked about you have a lot of momentum in your favor how much does that all factor into things as a fighter heading into a big event like you're gonna get into on saturday night
0: it's bit you know it's all preferential but for me i know momentum is powerful and i love it and i carry through with it you know with with this amazing energy like and and then going into another fight where i just experienced all those nerves all that you know that uh, that uniqueness to to going into a fight. I just went through it, so my my mind and my body is like, oh, like we just did this, so I'm more comfortable. And I did it in front of the no crowd, and that was something different. But now I'm like, oh, I just did that, so this is going to be nothing to me, nothing new. I just went through it, so I think all of that plays a factor with me, especially like for my mindset. I'm excited to do it again. I enjoyed it. I thought it was great to have, uh, you know, no distractions fight week went smooth. We arrive at the arena with not much time and we just kind of get wrapped and get straight to it. And I think that was uh, beneficial for me.
1: So we've seen a boomer submission. We've seen your hands go to work with a vicious knockout. How do we, uh, how do we add to the list of wins here in 2020 with this huge opportunity against a guy like Cody Stamen?
0: Yeah. Like I said, no overthinking for me. Just go in there, be myself, just have fun, let it all hang out and good things will come. And, uh, that's what happened in the Hunter fight. You know, I just had fun. I started to flow. I started to swag on him the second round. I was feeling myself. I was getting better as the fight goes on and and something lands, you know, and I know I have the power to finish anybody. Uh, my belief is at an all time high and, uh, I'm just so excited to, to keep putting on uh, the best performances possible.
1: You mentioned sort of the, this kismet going on in your life, how everything's just sort of falling into place. You're also going to be sharing the card with your good buddy Sean O'Malley, who's going to fight Eddie Weiland. This, this is crazy how all this stuff is sort of just like piecing together. You get a top 15 guy in the division you share. If you win and he wins, this makes
0: too much sense, does it not? Like he might be chasing you now. Hey, that's exactly what it is right there. He's got to come chase me after this. And uh, (laughs) I think it's perfect alignment, man. And it's crazy how it worked out. And you never know. The UFC might be plotting a little bit uh, with timing. You know, both of us come off a win on the same night. Uh, It builds the fight more. I think uh, anticipation builds. And I'll have a little something for him. You know, I'm I'm a guy with a plan. So uh, I I don't like to look too far ahead, but I always have a plan.
1: There you go. Well, we're looking forward to this one for sure. We've already had a a crazy year with all the COVID-19 stuff going on. Now we're dealing with another issue with the horrible tragedy in regards to George Floyd losing his life and everything that stemmed from that. So it's kind of a rough time in the world and in this country. So having another fight card doesn't take it all away, but it provides a a nice distraction during this crazy time. Brian, I appreciate the time. All the best to you this week in Las Vegas and in the fight on Saturday. And uh, oh, by the way, Thoughts on Gilbert Burns and what he did over Tyron Woodley? You're our sort of guest analyst that likes to jump on here from time to time. What did you think of that performance?
0: yeah it was great man I was I was hoping to see a different Tyrone Woodley I I think he, the same one kind of showed up you know uh, he's kind of had his back against the fence he was letting uh, Burns dictate the pace in the fight and, and the octagon control and stuff like that but Burns looked amazing I mean his wrestling his power double on, on, on a guy like Woodley who has such high level takedown defense he took him down really nicely he's got nasty ground and pound his grappling is second to none and his striking is ever improving and he showed that a lot in this fight so I'm really uh, high on Gilbert Burns right now. Uh, I think he's going to do big things at 170.
1: What'd you think of Casey Kenny? Nice win for him over Lewis Smolka guy in your division, a guy you might be seeing someday. What'd you think of that performance?
0: Yeah, that was a good performance. Um, Smolka, I feel like he's a guy that's, he shows up sometimes, sometimes he doesn't, uh, seemed like a lackluster performance on his side, but Casey Kenny looked good. Uh, he's an exciting fighter. Definitely. Um, you know, his fight against Marab. you know, it's, it's hard to fight a guy in Mirab. I know firsthand cause I sparred with him, you know, for my last fight and, uh, the guy's an, an animal, man. It, it's hard to explain mirab it's like I feel bad for his opponents you know like whoever has to fight mirab like I'm sorry <laughs> but uh Casey Kenny's good man he's an exciting fighter
1: yeah it's gotta be tough to be Mirab because I just don't see anybody in the top 15 jumping at the chance to fight him right now I just don't see it
0: yeah he's very underrated and his style is like you know he he, he'll just maul you for the whole fight and he'll literally break you so it's like guys don't want to have to deal with that and it's not like his striking is very pretty but it's very unorthodox and awkward and his movement is jittery so it's hard to get a gauge on the guy
1: do you do boom breakdowns on the fights outside of your own for these coming events are we going to see anything for content wise heading into saturday
0: I might do something on my phone. I'm not going to bring, like, my laptop, my microphone, all that stuff to to the event. But I'll do something on my phone. I think I might go live on Instagram and and do, like, fight picks and maybe a couple of betting things that I would do. But, uh, yeah, I love doing that. It's just, like, you know, I'm passionate about the sport. I follow – you know, I watch every fight. So uh, you might uh, might as well break them down, right?
1: There you go. Boom breakdowns. Find them all over social media. Thank you as always, Brian. All the best to you on Saturday, man. Uh, Very confident and very energetic Brian Kelleher joining the show. Should be a very fun fight with Cody Stamen on Saturday at UFC 250. And if he wins, maybe he can get the fight he wants with our next guest, Sugar Sean O'Malley. He's going to take on Eddie Weiland this Saturday. Like I said, at the top of the show, this came together very quickly within a matter of moments. We didn't get a lot of time with him, but I wanted to have him on the show, whether it was for 5, 10, or 15 minutes. We got about 12 minutes out of him. Here he is, Sugar Sean O'Malley, right now on What The Heck. All right, we move ahead to another fighter competing this weekend at UFC 250. He's going to take on Eddie Wineland on the main card in Las Vegas. Let's check in with Sugar Sean O'Malley, who joins What The Heck for the first time. Sean, how are you, sir? Good. How are you doing? Doing great. How is Vegas right now? I saw you got in on Monday. How's, uh, how's everything going out there?
3: Yeah, just chilling in the hotel. Um, not a whole lot. Just hanging out. It's good, though.
1: I know everything's pretty quiet out there from, like, the COVID front, but now we're seeing all the chaos with the protests and the news and all of the social media. I know Vegas got pretty scary for a couple of nights. Have you seen or, like, kind of driven by anything that's been crazy going on out there? What's the atmosphere like?
3: It literally feels like another fight trip. I haven't noticed anything. Nothing, nothing
1: different, different than before? Because normally, yeah, even during regular fight weeks, there's a lot of people there. I mean, you were on the last card with actual fans on it, so...
3: Yeah, we're not on the strip at all, so it's just, I, you know, it's just pretty much chilling in the hotel. Nothing. I haven't... Everything feels pretty much normal. Well,
1: that's good. As, as far as the fighting goes, you're, uh, you're making up for lost time here. After being out for... Two years due to all the craziness going on with USADA and all that, you're about to make the walk for the second time in a three month span. How refreshing is it to be able to talk about that as opposed to all the other crap that you had to deal with?
3: Yeah, it's good. My whole career, you know, I've, I've fought three, four, five times a year. So it's just we're back on track. Um, it, it's nice. So I'm, you know, I'm planning on going out there, getting a similar result, and, and getting back to the, getting back in a couple months.
1: I just had one last question about that other stuff because I remember we spoke heading into UFC 248 and you were just sort of taking it all day by day. And I couldn't get you out of my mind because you weren't fully confident that the fight would even happen. Like every time the phone rang, you just weren't sure like if the fight was going to get taken away. Have you sort of allowed yourself to get out of that box of uncertainty when it comes to USADA? Or is it still sort of weighing on the back of your mind every time the phone rings? No,
3: now it's, you know, we got tested for COVID this morning. Um, and I'm waiting on those results. Those, are the, That's the only thing that's kind of making me, you know, hesitant right now. And then Eddie, I think gets here tomorrow or whatever, and he'll have to get tested. So if we're both, if we're both in the clear there, we're pretty much good to go.
1: There you go. How good did it feel to actually make that walk again? And, you know, uh, and I think the the common term people use is you went out there and you pitched a perfect game against a, a pretty tough guy in Jose Quinones.
3: Yeah, it felt really good. I think, you know, I it went as planned. I felt like my skill level was higher than his, and if I show up, which I do every every single fight, I show up, that I was gonna be able to get him out of there in the first. So it went as planned, and I had, I was so healthy and felt so confident in that fight. It was it was nice, and I have that same feeling right now. You know, that was less than three months ago. So I feel good.
1: You talked a lot about how. Not being able to fight obviously sucked for you, but you used that time so wisely to to get a lot better in the gym and to become this sort of more evolved version of of the guy we saw off the contender series and fight a couple of times in the UFC. Did it almost have like a UFC debut type feeling at all, or did it feel like it was your third or fourth fight in there?
3: A little bit of both. It did feel like it was my debut again, like coming back party, and then it felt like i've I'd been there a ton. so it was a mixture between like, damn, this is the first time. That I'm ever fighting in the UFC, and it was also like I'm I'm a vet here. I know what to do. I know how to perform, and I I know what I need to do. So it was a little mixture of both. Do you think
1: about the fact that you fought on the last event with the live audience, and it probably will be the last event with a live audience for for quite some time?
3: Yeah, it, it doesn't really. You know, if I could pick, I'd rather have fans there. You know, it, it makes it way more you know entertaining it it's more fun i guess i don't know that yet cuz i haven't fought with no crowd but um i don't think it'll affect me at all but if i got a pick i'd rather have the fans there
1: i mean you have some experience not completely empty because you were on the contender series so you've kind of seen both sides of the of the coin right
3: yeah i think uh you know i didn't even when i was fighting in the contender series i didn't even think like oh there's not going to be a huge crowd it didn't even cross my mind the walkouts or no it none of that really matters
1: you wanted a step up in competition after that fight, and you get Eddie Weinland He's got nearly 40 professional fights. He's fought for a world title before in the UFC. He's coming off a knockout win in his last fight as well. Do you feel like this this fight sort of checks that box off for you in terms of that step up?
3: Yeah, I think it's a perfect next match for me. Um, you know, I, I, I never really – I would heard his name. I knew who he was. Never really watched him fight. Um, watched him fight, and I knew I was like, "Oh, that, that's a perfect, that's a perfect next step for me." So yeah, it, it worked out, worked out great.
1: Why do you think that's a perfect next step? Is it just because of the record and the and the, or is it more style from a stylistic perspective, from a competitive yeah. standpoint, it gets you excited?
3: Both, both. He's a vet. Um, it it's a good matchup for me. You know, so anyone that's gonna try to strike with me is a good matchup for me. So it just worked out good.
1: I knew I know you had done an interview with Luke Thomas a couple weeks ago, and you discussed that. You know, the way things are coming together with your evolution in the fight game, opponents, etc. You said something to the effect of, you know, if you want to fight better guys, get into the top 15, you feel like you should be compensated to a certain level to do so. If you don't mind me asking, how many fights do you have left on the deal that you're on right now?
3: Um, After this fight, I'll have two more.
1: So two more. So things could... Change pretty quickly for you. You go out there and have a, another performance like you had the last time against a guy like Eddie Weidman. We might be talking renegotiation before we even get to that last fight, right?
3: We'll see. That's what I was told last fight, and then then all of a sudden, no. So I don't know. We'll see. It's hard to say with the UFC.
1: Bantamweight is is super interesting right now because it's just it's just so deep. There's just so much talent from from the tippy top to even guys you know, 15 to 25 and even below that. It's one of those divisions where a lot of people stand out, but one person hasn't really like leapfrogged everybody else. Like when you look at it, most people will say like Aljamain Sterling and Piotr Jan are 1A and 1B, but you can make arguments for guys like Marais and Sandhagen. Hell, you guess you can make an argument for even Jose Aldo right now. When you see the division look like it does right now, do you see it as sort of like – oh, man, this is a long road to get to the top five in a title shot because it's so log jammed? Or do you see it as this is an opportunity to start leapfrogging guys, big chunks of them all at once?
3: Yeah, I think it could be the best division in the UFC right now. I think like as far as how deep it goes, the whole top 10 is so stacked. Um, but I think with my style, my performance that I'm going to have, and that I'm going to continue to have, um, with my name being big, and my following being big I think uh a couple fights and I could be fighting for that title.
1: Have you did you notice like a big change in your following after after the win in March? Did you notice like Instagram and social fo- jump things start jumping up a little bit more cuz it had been a while since people had seen you compete.
3: Yeah, it, it it almost, you know, not it didn't get I didn't get twice as many followers, but damn near so. I think that's going to be yeah, I think it's going to be uh, another good good night as far as um getting more fans and more views and stuff. So, yeah.
1: The hair is, is outstanding. Is there a, a story behind the hair? Is just something you were feeling that day? How did that all come together?
3: Yeah, it just kind of happened. just decided to do it. My girl does hair, so it just we, we made it happen.
1: There you go. First things first, Eddie Wineland this Saturday night, UFC 250. How do we st- keep this momentum moving forward? How do we get this done? Do we have uh, an official sugar prediction here?
3: Yeah, first round knockout, I just think that, his style versus my style. And if we both show up, um, it's a, it's a quick night for, for us. You know, I think I'm going to put him away fast.
1: What did you think of your former quintet teammate, Gilbert Burns, the other night dominating Tyron Woodley to see what he's done in the last 18 months or so. This is pretty incredible. Is it not?
3: Yeah. I, I'm a huge fan. I was, you know, I gave Tyron a lot of respect. I'm like, God, it's going to be a hard fight for Gilbert, but he went in there and made it look easy. Um, that was, it was super impressive. Uh, I'd love to see Gilbert, uh, you know, fight Kamara and and be champ. That would be fucking sweet.
1: What would you think of a matchup like that? Because it seems so interesting. Yeah, they're teammates, but I almost, I, I kind of want to see it. I didn't really think about it heading into that fight. I thought if Gilbert would win, it would be like, you know, maybe a Leon Edwards or something like that. But now, I, I kind of want to see it. How do you think that fight would play out? What would, what would sort I think of stick out to you? I
3: think Kamara and I think Gilbert matches up best with Kamara out of all those guys. Watching Kamara fight Tyron, I'm like, God, who's gonna be able to beat him? He's a fucking animal. And then watching Gilbert, I'm like, damn, that might be the guy that that can put him away. But even still, you know, they're, it's still going to be a tough fight. But if anyone gets the job done, I think Gilbert can. Who's
1: performance impressed you more over Woodley, Usman's or Burns?
3: Burns, for sure. How's, why is that? I don't know. I just fucking, <laughs> I just thought it did.
1: <laughs> I, I do, I do want to bring this up and I'm sure you're going to roll your eyes, but uh, I, I know Brian Kelleher has found a lot of creative ways to get your attention and you've spoken about him before. He's not really on your radar, but he's about to take on a top 15 guy in your division on the same card. If he goes out and gets a win and does something impressive, does that fight begin to interest you anymore at all?
3: We'll see. It's almost kind of at this point, just kind of funny. Like I just kind of brush him off, but. If it happens, it happens. I'm glad that you go out there and knock him out. Um, I don't see him as like a a, a threat really, um, but yeah, you you never know. I don't I don't know what's gonna happen. He's got to go out there and beat Cody, um, which I th- I think he can get the job done. I think it's at 45-2, and Cody's like five three or something, so he's pretty little, and Brian's a little bit taller, five four, five five. See, I think he's gonna have a little bit of an advantage, and it's at 45, so he's not gonna be cutting as much. So I think. Uh, I think you might be able to get the job done, but but we'll see. It's hard to. I'm, I'm pretty good at keeping my mindset on on the fight I have ahead of me. So
1: fair enough. And then uh, last thing, since it is in your division, uh, who who do you like in the Aljo versus Sandhagen fight on Saturday?
3: Fuck, well, like I said I, I, my my prediction's been Corey, and I'm kind of sticking with that. But it's really just a fucking toss up between those two. I I don't know, but Corey, you know, I think I think he's got the 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 level on the feet higher than naljo and i think he'll be able to I, I don't know it's hard to say but i got cory
1: i'm i'm so interested in seeing cody garbrandt come back too because i think that's a bigger right. question than that fight too i think that's actually a bigger story at the end of the day because it's been so long since you've seen him and he's been knocked out in three straight fights it's it's interesting to see if he can come back now he's talking about move to 25 is that's is that a guy that you're looking i know you're focused on the fight but are you intrigued by the returning cody garbrandt and what he could do against a guy like a sun
3: yeah, if he wins, I'd be, you know, it'd be like, but if he loses, it's like he's 0-4 in the last four and it just doesn't, I, I don't know, it, 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 he's still got a big name, Um, still definitely a, an opponent that I feel like matches up really well with me, someone who gets emotional if you fucking say their name, they just get angry, Um, so I think that'd be a good matchup for me, but we'll see if he goes out there and puts away Asensio, I feel like Asensio's gonna win that fight though.
1: Yeah, a very underrated guy, despite being so highly yeah. ranked in the division. But I know you get a lot going on, man. I appreciate you squeezing me in for 10 or 15 minutes or so. Yep. All the best to you on Saturday in your fight with Eddie Wineland, Sean. I appreciate it. Sugar Show returns to the UFC this Saturday as he takes on Eddie Wineland. He's hoping for a quick night at the office at UFC 250, which will take place at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas. So after that quick night, he's going to... Hope to head to the negotiating table with the UFC because he'll only have one fight left on his deal. And that's an interesting fight. That's an interesting fight right there. It's the first of three Bantamweight fights on that main card. Of course, we got Aljamain Sterling taking on Corey and That's a fight everyone's looking forward to for this Saturday. But also, in a, as we talked about with Sean as well, a very interesting matchup. The returning Cody Garbrandt. Is going to take on Hafiel Sunsau in the co-main event this Saturday. So, UFC 250, if you're a casual fan, you know, maybe it's not the, the sexiest fight card on paper, but if you really dive into these matchups and look at them deeper, this is a really good card. Like it, it's a really good card. And a lot of people were poo-pooing UFC on ESPN 9 heading into this past Saturday, and that card delivered in a big way, viewed by over a million people. So a huge weekend for the UFC. They're hoping to follow that up this Saturday. And speaking of somebody who had a huge weekend this past weekend, how about the victorious go-getter, Roosevelt Roberts, coming off his big win against Brock Weaver at UFC Vegas. A lot happened during fight week, especially on Friday, heading into the fight on Saturday. Let's check in with Roosevelt Roberts. Very fun conversation, and you can hear that right now. All right, so we're making history this week. This is the first time in the short history of the show we've had someone join the program on back-to-back weeks. Coming off a sensational performance, the second-round submission went over Brock Weaver at UFC on ESPN 9 this past weekend. Roosevelt Roberts is back on What the Heck. Roosevelt, how are you, man? What's up, man? How you doing? I'm
4: doing good.
1: I'm doing great myself. You came on this show last week. You almost laid everything out exactly the way you thought the fight would play out and that's how it played out. How does it all feel a few days later?
4: Man, it feels great, man, to go in there and, um, to do business, man, handle work. Uh it felt great. It felt everything felt smooth. Um I I just felt amazing, man. I felt like I was doing everything right. You know? Yeah, it feels great.
1: You walked in there like you were like a super heavyweight. Like you just you were just flowing in there. You looked as confident and as free as I think I've ever seen you look in the octagon. Is that fair to say? Did you feel that way yourself?
4: Yeah, man. I felt I felt great, man. I mean, I was nervous. Don't get me wrong. My heart was pounding. My hands were sweating. But once the fight started and once we hit each other, man, I was just I was just flowing. I felt like yeah, I felt like I I was just. I was just into it. Like I was really into this fight. I was really like like down to get it. So I so felt like it showed.
1: When you were on here last week and you discussed the matchup, you cause it came together really quickly. You said you preferred like a six week or so training camp to gain as much knowledge as possible on your opponent, but you felt that Brock would be, I think you put it as a, a basic fight for you in terms of what he brings to the table. He's got really good boxing and anything else you sort of have a mat had a match for. Did anything surprise you at all during those eight and a half minutes or so?
4: No, I mean, my coach. That's what my coach told me he was gonna do. He was gonna swing big, try to put me on the cage, um, and that's exactly what he did. He swung big, um, and he put me on the cage. We was ready for it though. We, we you know, I wasn't trying to exert myself too much, and I just made sure every time I got off the cage, I made sure he felt he felt my power and felt my speed, and I let him know, like, hey, you know, we're in this. Like, you're in this fight. Like, this is going to be a hard fight for you. It's not going to be one of these fights that. You think you're going to bully me, you know? So, um, yeah, everything played out the way we thought it would do it.
1: So let, let, let's go back to Friday morning because Brock was one of the first fighters to hit the scales, and he missed weight by a pound and a half. And a lot of times when a fighter who misses weight hits the scales that early, the opposing fighter, like yourself and your team, would be aware of it, and negotiations would be underway for for purse and all of that stuff. Were you made aware that Brock was gonna miss weight before he stepped on the scale Friday morning or did you find out when everybody else did?
4: No, I found out when everybody else did. And the, the crazy part was, was that, um, man, like he, so he missed weight and I didn't know he missed weight. He knew he missed weight, uh, but he come back there like mugging me and shit, like, like just looking all like hard, like trying to look all hard and shit. And I'm looking at him back and I, in my head, I'm just thinking, oh, maybe he's just a little intense, you know, you know, that's how I am too. I like to look at people. Uh, and then he missed weight and he came back There was like oh you better take the fight you about you about your money take the fight and in my head the first thing I said to him when he said that like hey boy hey you know, I called him, a, I called him a, a bitch and I was like listen bro like don't tell me to take the fight I was going to take the fight if you was 1.5 or fucking 5 pounds over I would have took the fight like it don't matter it don't matter what you was over you don't need to come tell me what to do like your ass should have woke up and fucking cut that goddamn weight you know I mean I, I woke up Friday morning, I woke up at 157. Probably like 157.5, you know. Um, at six, my coach woke me up at six o'clock in the morning at one fifty-seven. I had to go cut that fucking weight. Did I want to cut the weight? No, I did not. That shit was hard as fuck. I, my fucking stomach was hurting. Like I I like I, like I was tired, cotton out. And I still had to take my ass in that bath, fucking sit in that hot ass bath fucking burning my fucking, like burning myself away just to cut his weight. And then he want to get all dressed up and then come back there and miss the weight. Like, no, nah, man, don't come back there like that. So
1: when he came back and started talking to you about take the fight, you better take the fight. Is that when you found out that that he missed or did you hear before he came back and started talking to you about it?
4: No, nah, well, yeah, before, cause I heard it, I seen it, I was watching him weigh in and I heard him say 150, uh, 157.5. Now I looked at my coach and I was like, what the fuck? I was like, hold on, man. I was like, this shit crazy. And then um, and then I sat down, I was I seen I was uh, getting checked out by the doctor, and then fucking he just come walking up, and that's when he walking up. I'm looking at him, that's when he said it to me. And then when he said that, I was already cutting way out. My my adrenaline already pumping. Like he was already staring at me. So I'm like, man, fuck it, man. We like you say something again, we're gonna fight right now. Like fuck the bullshit. Did
1: anyone don't have to come back and, and separate you guys?
4: Yeah, they came back and they yeah, cause if they didn't, I was definitely gonna slap his ass. I was walking, I was walking close to his ass, about to slap his ass. I was like, I was mad, man. I was like, damn, bro, like, I felt disrespected. Like, honestly, like, I feel disrespected now. That's why I had to stand up. Just, <laughs> just <talking laughs> to yeah, I was like, we're nah, getting a bro. full reenactment right now. This is great. Yeah, you know, like my adrenaline was pumping. I was just ready to go. Uh, but yeah, they came back. He said some. I got up, went up, was going to go up to him, and they split us up.
1: I feel like, in a weird way, and and we don't like when when fighters miss weight. I know sometimes it's a little harder to get to get there. Sometimes, especially with COVID going on, it's just it's it's a crazy time right now. But I feel like Brock missing weight was a huge thing for this fight. Like when you guys went face to face during the stare downs, especially after what you're telling me happened backstage. Immediately, the interest in the fight shot through the roof. Like what was that face-off like for you on Friday? Because you were right in his face, letting him know how you felt about everything.
4: Man, you no, know, that I just I mean once once we got to that argument backstage, I was like, yeah, I was like, I'm already now 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 you already brought this side out of me. We we just gonna be two ignorant motherfuckers and I'm not gonna <laughs> stop it now. now. Now that now that we get this being each other's face, I'm not gonna change. I'm not gonna switch it up. Like you're gonna get that same energy that you got when we were backstage about the fight. And that's why as soon as I got up on stage, I shook Sean Shelby's hand. I was like, what's up? And I fucking got right back in his face. Like, hey, you know, I'm here. Like, you're not going to fucking think you're going to scare me or punk me. Like, hey, you know, you're in for a fight.
1: With, with everything happening with the guidelines for the event, what did you make of the fight day slash fight night schedule and how that all played out? Like, getting to the arena, getting taped up, fight, all of that stuff. Did, did you sort of prefer it that way? You just didn't even have time to think about it. You just got in there, fought, and kind of left right after.
4: Yeah, I, I, didn't really, I didn't really think about it, honestly. It was more just like, you know, I just got in got out. I mean, it wasn't that bad, honestly. It was actually pretty good. It was like really any other fight week. I mean, yeah, there was nothing really different, but I mean, we we get we get picked up. I mean, the only thing was that, you know, we had to be isolated, wear a mask and stuff like that, but um, and we had to wait for them to sanitize the room, but that's usually how it would be when we fight. I mean, they take the first few people, and then they, then later on, they take the next few people, and that's just what they did this time. And you know, we had it wasn't so many of us in the locker room though. It was only like two of us in the locker room, so that's only a little difference.
1: So you had like your hotel room, but then did you have like a you had a separate room, right, for to train in and you know portable saunas and stuff like that? It was like right across the hallway or something like that?
4: Yeah, it was literally like right next door. I mean, we got out the room, made it right, and it was right there. I mean, um that was that was actually really good. I think that's why the weight cut actually went pretty good, cause we turned it. We had we was able to control the uh the the temperature in the room. So we had it on ninety, um, like the highest it could go. And then we kept it at ninety and for, again as soon as I as soon as I walk in the room, I'll start sweating and just start dripping. So um yeah, everything was pretty smooth. We had to go wait in the, uh our room for them to come get us. And at three o'clock they came and got us and you know, everything went from there.
1: As the fight was progressing on Saturday, you guys kept the talking going throughout the fight. What did what did you guys say to each other in there? Like what was one or two things that stuck out to you the
4: most? None. I mean, he wasn't really he wasn't really saying nothing. He was just like, he was just agreeing with me that like, oh yeah, yeah. And I was like, Yeah, man. I was like, you oh uh, because <laughs> I, I was the one over there, I was talking shit. I was just I, like, I was like, hey, we in this shit. I was like, we in this shit. I'm like, let's go. And he was like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I just I was just saying some dumb shit. I don't know what I was saying. I don't, I don't even honestly know why the fuck I was saying most of the shit I was saying. I was just like, I don't know. He brought out the hood in me and I was just talking shit. I was like, I was like, I was like, why am I still like I watched the fight now? And then I like I sit back and I watch the fight. And I'm like, damn, why was I saying that? Why was I saying because I because at one point I hit him, I hit him, and then I was like, Yeah, I was like, we in this shit. What's up? And I hit him again. Now I was like, I'm a real street nigga, and then now I'm all like, why the fuck did I even have to say that? Like, <laughs> why the why the fuck was I sitting there telling him? I was like, oh no, it was just funny. But yeah, we was talking hella shit. It was cool. And then oh, and then I rocked him. And the in the beginning of the second round, I hit him. He came in with that straight, and I hit him with a one two. And then he was all like, uh, what he say? He's like, oh, he's like, no, nah, you didn't rock me. And I was like, yeah, nigga. I was like, yeah, you good? Come on then. I was like, let's go. And then we started fighting again. So yeah, it was it was pretty fun, man. It was pretty fun to do that.
1: Best performance of your UFC career, would you say? Cause I feel like most expected that to be a showcase fight opportunity for you. And it seemed like that's what happened. Did you feel that way as well?
4: Yeah, definitely. Um I definitely feel like that was probably like one of my my best performance, man. It just but I think honestly it's just cause I felt free, man. I felt like I don't know, I didn't feel, I felt like it was more, I don't really know, like a street fight than like a MMA fight because I was just so into it. Like, I was just like, man, you know, I really want to fuck this dude up, like, so bad. I never felt like that for somebody because, you know, everybody always be respectful, you know, and, you know, I never really had like that, that, oh, I want to just beat the shit out of this dude. I'm like, and that's why I felt for him. I felt like, oh, man, I just want to put my hands on this guy. So I felt like I just let everything go. He brought out that, that good side of me.
1: You guys cool now? Did you guys talk after the like after the fight?
4: Yeah, he hit me up. He hit me up. Um, you know, that I ain't gonna say what we talked about, but you know, I got nothing but respect for him. Um, you know, do do he a cool dude, man. I mean, you know, we got like I told him, we got whatever it was that wins, you know, it is what it is, but I got nothing but respect for you. Um, you know, all that shit on Twitter, that fake Twitter account and all that, you know, that wasn't me. Um you know, I got a number of respect. He made it. He made it to UFC. He's here. So, you know, I gotta respect him for the journey he was on.
1: So let's get to after the fight because I jump on Twitter after you won and I tell everybody, by the way, if you miss my interview with Roosevelt Roberts this week, he's gonna call somebody out. And I left out Matt Frivola's name from that tweet because you said it wouldn't be Matt Frivola. And then you called out Matt Frivola. Like what happened there? Like I know. what changed?
4: No, my manager, my manager, man, he wants me, he wants me to hold off a little bit. He wants me to, uh, he wants me to build myself a little more. I mean, the like the dude, cause the dude I, the dude I was going to call out, uh, he's pretty, he was pretty much, uh, established in there already. Um, so he, he, my manager tell me build myself more, get a little bit more money and then yeah, do it like that. So, you know, I, I you know, he, he's the manager. I got, I'm going to listen to what he say. You know, I just want to fight, um, so yeah, I just called out for Vola so I could, um, so you know, we get that out of the way. You know, that, that's the that's the guy I really want. You know I mean, the other guys gonna call out. That's just gonna be a really great fight, and I'm gonna call him out, man. And I and I want to so bad, but like my coach is telling me not to, and my manager is telling me to wait on it. So you know, I'm just gonna wait a little bit.
1: It was hilarious. As one of my jobs on fight night is to go through the post fight scrums and get everything up there on YouTube and on the website, and my colleague Jose Youngs brought up our conversation. Uh, you asked your coaches while you were at the podium if you could say it, and they told you no, and, which I thought was <laughs> hilarious. And now, you know, and what's funny is, cause you told me that after the win, you're like, I'm gonna come on this show. you be my first interview. We're gonna talk all about this mystery name, I promise you. And I'm just living up to my end of the bargain, Roosevelt. That's how I am, my man. It's just you and I talking right now.
4: Nobody else is around. Man, I want to. Dog. I want to. And you know, I don't. Me personally, I don't really see you no know, harm in me calling, like me to me saying the guy's name. Personally, I think that me saying the guy's name would be great. But I don't know, man. I mean, my, they told me not to, so I, I got to listen. Are okay. they gonna put me through a hell of a workout? And I ain't trying to fucking deal with that. <laughs> I'm trying. You know, I got. I got. I got. They gonna like really tear me apart. So. Make sure, but no, I promise you before I promise you, I promise you got my word before I say any his his name, I promise it'll be you. I promise you. I won't say it on the mic after a fight. I promise it'll be you first. I got it, I got it, I got it for you.
1: All right, all right. I don't want you to get smoked at practice, so I don't I don't want that to happen. So uh no. is he a ranked guy? But, Just give that. Is he a top fifteen guy?
4: Um all right, I'll give you this. He he was a top fifteen. And one forty five, and he came up to one fifty would tell you that. Now oh. you could you could put that together easily. Lose some math. I'll cool. leave
1: it. Al- I'll leave it alone. Say no more, Roosevelt. Say no more. I don't okay. want to get you in trouble. You can't get in trouble. Right. You
4: didn't say any names, so no one. You better I didn't not say get names. I didn't say names. <laughs> hey, but I gave. you. Hey, you're the first person I told that clue to. You're the first person I told that I clue to. It. So I want you to know that you're special, homie. You're special. You know what I, I appreciate saying? that. Yeah. I appreciate
1: that. It's cause it's cause we have matching hairstyles. That, that's what's going on here. But you, uh, <laughs> you go, <laughs> you go in there, you finish a fight. You didn't take a lot of damage on Saturday. You said you want to take Dana up on his offer, get three to four fights this year. Your good friend, Matt Frivola is about to fight on June 20th against Frank Camacho. I'm guessing sometime this summer you'd like to get back in there. Or if something comes up before that, are you willing to jump on that as well?
4: Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm going to go see my kids for a couple of days right now. So I don't want to jump right back in in June. But I definitely want to be right back in July or August. I definitely want to be one of the first guys back in. I want to keep my name rolling. Uh, I want to keep that steam going. I want to just stay keep stay sharp and keep that money piling up, you know? So, yeah, I want, I want to get right back in there. So when
1: did you find out about the Twitter tomfoolery going on at your expense on Friday? When? Because at first, like, I'm watching these tweets come out, and I'm seeing the stare down with you and Brock and this Roosevelt Roberts Twitter account tweeting out all this stuff, and I'm like, I just literally interviewed this guy and he was like, I don't have Twitter. I don't do any of that stuff. So I was like surprised. I'm like, wow, this guy got 4,000 followers in one day. When did you find out that the thousand? Well, what, what this guy does is he keeps like switching out to different names and different journalists and different fighters. And he like, does it so, so smart too, because he like retweets things that you were mentioned in. Like when the mm-hmm. fight got announced, he retweeted like every fight announcement that you were in. So I'm like, huh? I'm like, maybe it is him. I don't know. So when did you find out that someone like was, was trolling and created a Twitter account pretending to be you on Friday?
4: Man, I didn't, I didn't find out till the, the day of the fight. I woke up, I woke up and people was blowing me up, sending me stuff on Instagram. Um, MMA junkie and stuff was like reposting it. And I'm all like, what the fuck? I'm like, hold on. I'm like, this isn't me. I'm all like, like, first of all, I like, when do I even talk shit like that? Like, you know what I mean? People like I fucking fought already. Like when do I even say some crazy stuff like that? Um, So I made sure as soon as I, as soon as I found out, I had, I had, uh, had my people send me like screenshots it to my manager and I got that, I got it taken care of. And then that's when I went over there on Brock, uh, Brock's post. And then I hit him up and was like, Hey bro, you know, you know, all bullshit aside, you know, that wasn't me. You know, we like, if I got, if I got anything to say, I'm gonna say it to his face. Like I did yesterday. You know, we're going to meet, we're going to meet tonight, you know? And that's just, that's just what it was. Um, but whoever that is, man, ain't really got no life, dog. Boring, probably just being at home, man. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. The only thing I really didn't like, I just ain't like how he was just saying, talking about his mom and talking about like, oh, like, just make me look crazy. Like, don't make me look crazy, man. I spent I spent most of my life trying to build something for myself. Are you going to go out there and make me look crazy to these people? Like, don't do that, you know?
1: Well, I mean, it's, it's as sucky as that whole situation was. Maybe it means like you made it in a, in a strange way. But, um, but before, before I let you go, I want to get your take on what's going on in the country right now, because 2020 has just been a just the weirdest year ever with COVID. And now everything that's going on with the horrible police brutality and, and the death of George Floyd, we've seen some terrible things happen on the streets, but we've also seen some amazing and peaceful things happen on the streets, something we don't see as much as the other stuff. but. If you ask anybody no matter how they look at things it's pretty scary out there what, what's kind of your thoughts on what's going on in the country and in the world right now?
4: man I just think man I think you know um, people people just people some people are just tired of it man they they're tired of uh, dealing with not being hurt and they're they're lashing out I mean its not I mean is it right or is it wrong I don't know I don't think I have the, the right knowledge to uh, to comment on that part. But I think people people just feel some type of way right now, and you know they're letting it be known. Um, you know, I'm all, I'm all with protesting, man. People people want to protest because I know how police are. I don't I don't have police at me uh, with me, um, and, and black cops, white cops, all different type of cops. I, I had them treat me bad. I had some black cops put me on hot ass pavement with no shirt on, and like pop a lighter in my face and like beat me up damn near. You know, so I know how it is. But not every, what I'm trying to get at is not every police officer is bad. Just like, not everybody is racist. Not everybody hates black people. Just like not all white people hate black people. Just like not all black people are for black people, you know? Like, I think what we need to understand is that we just gotta come together as a group of people, as one people, and stop trying to divide ourselves as like colors and like, just bring ourselves together, man. And understand, you know, we can make change. We just gotta do it the smart way. If we keep looting and breaking all these stores and you know, doing all this stuff, it's setting it's setting the people that's protesting the right way, it's setting them back, you know? It's setting them back on what they're trying to accomplish. So um, you know, I'm like I said, I'm all with it, man. I hope I hope we see some change. You know, I'm with like I hope we see justice for Floyd and everybody else who's been murdered by a police officer or who who's lost their life to some type of racism or whatever it is, you know. Uh, I just think that we have to be careful with our community. We don't want to destroy the same community that we live in just to have to rebuild it again, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I, I hope everything's like, you know, it slows down. Everybody calm down. I'm not going to be out there protesting. You know, I'm, I'm going to be at the house. Uh, but I definitely feel for everybody and want the best for everybody.
1: Yeah, well said. It's a. Uh... It's tough out there, man. I think we're kind of both on the same wavelength right now in terms of, you know, just want everybody to come together and, you know, I'm not, I've clearly haven't been in your shoes, clearly haven't been in my shoes and, you know, I haven't been in a lot of other people's shoes either, but it's just tough times and hopefully we can get through this all together and come out on the other side better people than we were going into it, but uh, you're obviously in a better place as a fighter as you were heading into that last fight and can't wait to see what is next for you. Enjoy the time with your kids. We won't have to bug you for the next couple of weeks, Roosevelt. I appreciate mm-hmm. you jumping on back-to-back weeks, man. Congratulations on the win.
4: Thank you, brother.
1: There he is, Roosevelt Roberts, putting a bow on another Thursday here on What The Heck on MMAfighting.com. Big thank you to all of our guests this week, Brian Kelleher, Sugar Sean O'Malley, Roosevelt Roberts, and Brandon Royval, of course, with UFC 250 coming up. On Saturday, we're going to have all of your Fight Week coverage beginning later on today with the UFC 250 Virtual Media Day. A bunch of us, we will be there. Tomorrow, we'll have the weigh-ins. We'll have the stare-downs, UFC 250 preview show, all the Fight Night coverage on Saturday. We will not let you down, my friends. And with that, that's a wrap. I'm done ranting. We will see you this weekend, everybody, I'm sure. But as always, thank you for watching or listening to the show. And have a heck of a week, everybody.
2: Listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.